Hello and welcome to the Glass Tire Art Dirt Podcast where we discuss topical art topics of the day. I'm Rainy Knutson. I'm Christina Reese. This one's funny because it's it's um how what do we what do we call this subject? It's kind of a big one. It's kind of a big beast of a topic. Yeah, it's kind of everything that is wrong that the art world is trying to fix but is doing a bad job of fixing. <laughs> We could possibly chalk that up to the fact that it's a pretty new, new role that artists have been asked to take. You know, this could just be a learning curve, or it could just be a really bad idea through and through. Well, why don't we? Why, let's put everybody out of their suspense. They're on tenter hooks. I can tell. Yeah. Of um, uh, this we were talking this week about uh, about gentrification and artists Ooh. moving into neighborhoods and mm-hmm. um, protests occurring around that. Well, protests are just the just the fact of gentrification and what it does, what how artists um, are complicit in it or how they're not, and uh, and and what the long term resonance of this is. And I would argue that Austin is really uh, experiencing a pretty heavy bout of gentrification. That's you know, East Austin has changed so drastically in the last sixteen years, especially the last ten years. And you could make a lot of arguments about how artists have helped or uh, created some of the gentrification problems that have happened over there. But, of course, they're also almost always the victims of gentrification. Yeah, I mean, and yes, there's been a lot in Austin. And even in Houston and Dallas and other Texas cities have certainly experienced our real estate surges. I was thinking really about, you know, the Boyle Heights neighborhood in Los Angeles where there have been protests, death threats, you know, paint thrown on the wall of a gallery and on the art in a gallery by people who are saying, artists get out because artists, you are the problem with gentrification. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my, my initial gut reaction to all of this stuff is to tell people to get a grip and to tell people that this is, it's free enterprise, you know? And as long as there have been cities, there has been gentrifications. Neighborhoods rise and fall, cities rise and fall, and that's that's part of the just deal of human beings in close quarters. Yeah, this is an old old story, and I mean, look at Manhattan now. Um, oh God! You know, I mean, what we're really saying is, artists and 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 younger people before they hit a big career stride who support the arts. I mean, there's just not a whole lot of money washing around in those populations, and you know, the the uh, myth of the bohemian artist living in a cold water loft or a cold water flat and, you know, and cooking over a single, you know, hot burner. Pot. Yeah. Is, um, it's actually still true. It uh, is true. It is yeah. true. The reason artists go into neighborhoods that tend to be poor neighborhoods is because artists don't have money. Artists are just as big of a victim of their own gentrification as every, anybody else. Artists get priced out of neighborhoods. Artists bemoan the fact that they, uh, they wish they had had the money to buy in such and such neighborhood back in the day. And they would if they could. And they would have if they could have. And they get pushed out just like, you know, everybody else who doesn't have the money for the new price points. One thing is that I think people already in an existing neighborhood that they fear is going to be gentrified to the point where they're going to be pushed out and they've lived there for generations their family's been there for generations they're used to being in a certain tax bracket i think they are rightly suspicious when artists start moving into their neighborhoods because developers are close behind you know artists tend to uh very unwittingly attract developers because they bring a certain 
uh, I don't even know what would you saw. I guess they a cachet. Bring a certain cachet. They make a neighborhood cool. But I think the important word you just used is unwittingly. Artists aren't going around to real estate developers and saying, hey. Oh, my gosh, no. Not only are they not doing that, but um, if anything, they would be they would have much stronger interest in not attracting developers because it means that they're going to get pushed out. What happens is artists look around for the neighborhoods where, number one, they can afford to live, and that's that's 90% of the consideration, and the other 10% of the consideration is, is there something interesting or wonderful or unique about that neighborhood? that's been overlooked. Um, and, and those tend to be neighborhoods that have been traditionally poor, marginalized, whatever. Or industrial. Or, or industrial. Uh, excellent point. You know, like the arts district in Los Angeles was just like warehouses. Uh, you know, and you go down there now and there's, um, oh, what's that watch company out of Detroit? Oh. Fandango. Um, Far- uh, <laughs> Shinola. There's Shinola. A, there's a Shinola <laughs> store in, the, in this really, like, recently rough, crummy industrial neighborhood. Anyway. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is, a, is, is, a, is, the, is this, this artist that we're talking about, this theoretical, hypothetical, idealized, young, poor artist, they don't have they they don't have any more money than the person they live next door to, in any neighborhood, um, and again they don't want to be priced out. I look I'm I watch very carefully what's going on in Dallas. Um, there are a few landlords or property owners who own a lot of the Cedars. They own a lot of West Dallas, um, and right now the artists who are using their spaces or renting spaces there, they're like, no, these landlords are cruel. It's all going to be fine. And it's like, yeah, but I said that to the everyone that was working at a pump project a couple of years ago in Austin. Mm-hmm. I think they knew. I think they saw the writing on the walls, but they tried to put a, a good spin on it and say, no, our landlord's cool. He's not going to kick us out. He likes us being here. And then what do you know, you know, late last year, uh, yeah, but a, a landlord lease wasn't is un- renewed. Yeah, a landlord is under no obligation to keep that going. Landlords, you know... At the end of leases, say, guys, I'm going to raise the rent all the time. And that is, again, they have every right to do that. And to resent that as they're just evil is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And the counterpoint to all of this is where artists, what drives me crazy is when artists are like, well, I can't find anywhere affordable to live. There's no affordable studio space. And I'm like, yeah, there is. If you'd get creative, if you'd get, you know, in Houston, it's like, well, pull out a map. And look at that, you know, industrial space where you could probably pretty cheaply have a studio space. But I don't think that I don't think that artists, any real artist worth their salt, um, is anything less than a great problem solver. And also, absolutely, Ab- reasonably adventurous, true. you know. And just like, no, I'm just going to move to the shittiest neighborhood I can find because that's what I can afford, and I need a lot of space because I make really big paintings or I make big sculptures or I do or you know whatever. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, I don't know, I don't hear a whole lot of complaints, not even in Dallas. I do see artists getting much more active about housing problems uh, here, um, and some of them work it into their actual artwork, and that's if that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. I certainly don't think that artists should be called upon to be, you know, forced into a certain kind of political activism mm-hmm. that that isn't part part of what they want to make and yet it seems like increasingly artists are being taken to task for not being you know properly politicized mm-hmm. well that is certainly a type of work that's getting rewarded 
and you see more and more calls for entries, calls for grants, and, and they're asking for artists that are quote-unquote engaged with the community, which is code for doing something that's charity or social outreach. Yeah, it's doing the work of nonprofits, um, basically. Um, yeah. It's doing the work of a nonprofit organization, but again, it's off the backs of the artists. It's, their, it's generally their own time and their own money. If they can get grants for it, which as you say, increasingly they can, that might help. But again, what happens when an artist goes into a neighborhood that they ha haven't had any long-term investment in, and they're meant to be doing social practice work, it almost feels like a weird intervention. It's like, it's, and it's also, unfortunately, with a whole lot of this stuff, it's sort of telling people how to think and feel about the work, about the neighborhood, about what's happening to the neighborhood. Yes. I don't think that's true of every artist, but I think a whole lot of the, there's just, there's just too much of it right now, and it's not particularly rigorous. Too much do-gooder art, you mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, well we, and we were talking about artists who, I don't know that it's possible to make art that is not political. And in, in some regard, all artists right. are commenting on the world. And a right. lot of my favorite artists right now are making work that is intensely political. Carol Walker, you know. Oh, I, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, she's great. And that stuff But is you know what? That's who she is. And that's what her art has always been. She's not, she's not deviating from the kind of, exactly the kind of artworks that she wants to make. This is what she wants to make. She does it so well. It's, you know, it's mind-boggling. So but let's, I mean, but let's take an artist who doesn't make that kind of work, who wants to be politicized, who is more politicized or getting more politicized. You can take somebody like Nan Golden, mm -hmm. whose photographs are not family friendly, um, you know, and never have been. Uh, and, she, but she's angry at the Sacklers and the Oxycontin, you know, the, the makers of Oxycontin not being, um, not right. This was, this was the big protest that we, we discussed this in the last podcast. Nan Golden got a bunch of people to go to the Sackler wing at the Met and throw, right. throw empty pill bottles into the water and make a big fuss about opioids. She's keeping those two parts of her world separate though. Um, she makes her work, her work is her work, and then her activism is her activism. I haven't seen her activism bleed into her artwork at this point. I don't know if it will. Uh, it's certainly not what she's known for. It's a completely different thing. I would not say to artists right now who are very angry about the state of our country to not engage politically. I don't think that if, if their impulse is not to make uh, artwork that is explicitly, you know, politically engaged with issues that are going on right now, I would not, I, I don't think that we should call on them to be the do-gooders in their artwork if that's not their impulse. Um, I, I do think there are people in our society, though, who feel like art, if, art, if artists are not politically engaged right now, they shouldn't be making art. And, and that is the impulse that I really, I think you and I both just think is fundamentally wrong-headed i just bristle at it i just it just it's so uh prescriptive and it's so it's almost fascistic in its own right to tell artists what sort of art that they make in order to be valid and um but the problem is and frankly it's the artist's fault because if there's one thing that our friend duchamp did he blew the doors off of what you could do like you can do anything you have total freedom as an artist so if you were sitting there and looking around and being like hmm i'm gonna make this kind of work because this is a kind of work that's going to get me further in an art career and it's going to get me that residency or get me that grant and that's what i'm going to do then you know you're you, maybe you're ticking off the boxes you need to have some sense of an art career but you're not moving the ball forward you're not out there ahead of the game you're you're following along
I, I mean, which which to me makes me suspicious of everyone that's flo- flooding into BFA and MFA programs across the country. There's a glamour, you know, there's this kind of glamour to art that, that really started to take hold in the mid-90s. And this idea that you could be a kind of glamorous rock star artist who makes a whole lot of money and gets seen in the society pages, et cetera, et cetera. I think there are way too many people in these schools. And I think these schools are often uh, kind of beating their kids over the head with this idea of, uh, I don't know, being politically engaged. And Well, and the schools, not only are they, you know, doing that, the schools are not doing them what would be the ultimate kindest favor and telling them that they shouldn't be artists, that they're not artists and that they're not dumb, they're whatever, but they need to go put their efforts elsewhere. I mean, there's just too many artists coming out of schools, period. Yeah. And there's too much bad art. And they're being told what to make, basically. Or if they just read enough, uh, if they read enough newspapers every single day, they'll start to get a sense of what they should be making. And I, I you know, I emphasize the word should, and I hate it. Oh, yeah. um, you know? It feels like we're in a moment. I, I always think back to the 70s when I was, a, I was a child, so too young really to be attuned to it. But, you know, the culture was just... In a, in a dark place post-Vietnam, and we were up to our eyeballs in this all this just sea of disco crap and crappy c- popular culture, and the Sex Pistols came in and wiped the table clean. And I, I was talking to Rachel Hooper recently. She's a writer in Houston, and I was like, we need another Sex Pistol moment so badly. And she's like, oh, my God, yes. Like, somebody has got to wipe the table clean. I'm tired of artists having to be good, I'm t- do-gooders, you know. I'm tired of them having to, like be all happy and engaged and positive and everyone everything's great I, I like I appreciate people who have darkness in their soul and I want an artist who's who's pissed you know yeah I don't want an artist to come in and fix my problems for me or my neighborhood I no. want, and I'm not saying that great that there aren't great political artists or that there isn't great political art of course there is but yeah I mean my favorite artists are not good people not really <laughs> they're they're assholes and you know and they make really, really good stuff that really embraces the gray area and doesn't tell you how to think or feel about the work. They d- it does open a dialogue, but it's not, uh, it's not telling you how to feel. It's just pointing. It's just a great antenna that's pointing out a truth in the world, however uncomfortable, often. Um, and God, that's great. And the Sex Pistols actually did exactly that. They did exactly that. I mean, did did we hear any disco after that? Nope. Although we did, well, a decade later, we had slipped back into hair bands and, you know, metal ballads. But there was a good spell in the early 80s of New Wave and spinoffs from punk. Yeah, post-punk was... Uh, post-punk was, was a good time with music. It was fruitful, yeah. It was really good. <laughs> That's no, my I, language. Uh, again, artists, and, and you know, I, I know that there would be artists who would argue with this and say, like, it's so damn hard. And you know what? It is so damn hard. It is hard. But... It's up to artists who have total freedom. It is up to artists to fix this mess. They're the ones who are going to get us out of it. it it's not going to be the collectors. It's certainly not going to be the curators. It's going to be artists getting out there and doing stuff, and hopefully we can see it. We're looking. Well, I mean, even just saying that, it's got to be the artists who get us out of this. I'm like, meh, you know? <laughs> I, I don't know about that. I'm not, you know, I wouldn't ask some of my favorite artists to get me out of anything, including a stock elevator. Um <laughs> Although they probably can, <laughs> could problem solve the way out of it, but uh, yeah, I just want the I, ju- I want them to chase the impulses that haunt them and um, 
and make the best art that they can. And I don't care what neighborhood they live in. Yeah, in and, my fa- and my favorite artists do just that. I, I wrote, you know, I just wrote this piece about this guy, Nestor Topchi in Houston, who's uh, been here a long time doing yeah. performance and great work. Yeah. And, and one of the things that sort of bubbled up in thinking about all that was artists who want out of the art world, not artists who want into the art world. Too many artists want in. They want to get in. They want to get into that show, into that museum, into that gallery. And it's like, I want to see the artists who want out. They want the fuck out. I think that right there is a great definition or a great, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Hmm. Not a litmus test necessarily, but yeah, I would like to, I would apply that. Mm. To people across the board, actually. Yeah, yeah, actually. (laughs) Not just artists. No, but it's like, I I hate to use the word conformity or conformist because I just feel like that got really hackneyed in my childhood, but... But yeah, I, too many artists are just conformists. And you know, and people are getting so many props for doing the so-called right thing. You know, Ugh. like if a, if a woman artist isn't making work about the experience of being a woman, then she's somehow failing the team, you know? And so if she does make work about being a being a woman in today's world, somehow she's going to get a tr- she's going to get a lot of at least short-term attention for doing exactly that. Are the ideas good? Is the work good? It almost doesn't matter. People are just going to celebrate her because she's a feminist artist. She's making feminist art work and it's like, "Well, is it any is it any good?" That's the thing. It's like Karen, I love Karen Finley. My god, Karen Finley knocked it out of the park. And that work could not have been more viscerally feminist. Yeah. Um, but I don't require that of a woman artist whatsoever. And I, and that's the thing. There's It's interesting because if you can just step back and not get too emotional about it, there is a pendulum swing in our country, and it goes back to the founding days of the United States that of the individual versus the group. And it goes back and forth, and you can make arguments in both cases, like when the group should weigh out over the individual and when the individual's rights should weigh out over the group. Right now, though, we are in an intensely group moment. Like the mm. group, it, we are not valuing the individual. We are not valuing individual freedom. You had better goddamn well fit in with the group and do what the group is telling you to do. And your group, and you have to fit in with your group. That's A, a lot of that has to do with a sense of powerlessness, and the only way things are going to change is if people group together because the split in this country right now is so toxic that individuals really aren't being heard nearly as much as groups are being heard. I understand that. I understand that desire to find your group and, and use that as a way to to amplify your power. Um, What I do believe also is that real artists are incredibly rare. Um, They almost practically don't exist, frankly, and they're not given to join big joiners. They're just not joiners. And I don't think that they should be forced to be joiners. No. And I think if you feel compelled to fix the ills of the world, that is a wonderful thing. There's nothing wrong with going out and working on literacy or voting or any other myriad of societal ills that we have that need attention. Urban it, planning. It, it, urban planning. But it doesn't mean that what you're doing is art. <laughs> okay boom yeah boom is what anyway. i said to that but yeah i uh yeah i i'm i'm with you on all of that i think you and i seem to agree pretty much on this uh, I, well, I was talking to a young person today and i was like god i really sound like a crotchety middle-aged gen xer and i i, I know that but 
I also, I, I see where the culture has gone and it's, it doesn't feel good. It does not feel like smart work is being applauded. It feels like dumb group think work is being applauded. Yeah, and that could be temporary. And I know that some of it really is a reaction to Trump being elected because that is just such a shit show. And it is a horror for almost, you know, and here's another thing is that I think it's easy for people who are in the so-called art world to call out other people in the art world. It's mm. easier for progressives to call out progressives and for liberals to call out liberals because they know the the people being attacked are, will feel accountable. They will feel like they need to go ahead and engage. They'll answer an attack. Um, whereas if a liberal or progressive attacks a, high, a very conservative entity, they get nothing. Yeah. And so it's satisfying to get a response when you attack somebody. Um, but it becomes definitely a circular firing squad for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, you know, it's basically, I'm basically saying that liberals will just eat their own, you know? Well, the minute I started hearing people who were politically left-leaning talking about elitism and the elites as a bad thing, I thought, well, you just sound like Sean Hannity, you know? And, and, <laughs> yeah. and it's the same, it's not even a different side of the same coin. It's the same side. It's, there's nothing good about any of that. Mm-mm-mm. No, no, no. But I could go on about the erosion of the notion of connoisseurship and expertise, Gosh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we've actually already dance. done that to a very, very small degree when we did that. Uh, we did a conversation about the suburbs. Mm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we did. We did. And the ongoing, the ongoing conversation about painting the electrical boxes was another thing about populism versus, I don't know, real art. I, I don't know, having an aesthetic sensibility, yeah. being able yeah, to yeah. see a piece of shit painting and call it for what it is. I think ultimately all this will shake out and there will be, and I do think that there are a lot of young people who are making very good art. I, I see it. I see it all the time. We're out in Texas all the time on the road looking at art. I've know plenty. There's great stuff out there. There is great stuff. There are plenty of young artists making great work, and there are plenty of artists who are I, who who do. Their impulse is to make art about where they are from and who they are, and they're doing a great job. And I think living in a border state, I think we are living in an incredibly rich environment for that. I'm excited to be here right now during this. I think it's a type of revolution. I think it's quiet right now, but it's getting louder. And I think there's some real strength in uh, the work that's being made. But I and do think... And it's much more interesting to be here and be in, from a statewide standpoint, not from within our own cities, but from a statewide standpoint in the political minority. It's fun being in a place that seems as, as seemingly crazy as Texas um, and much more interesting than being in an echo chamber like northern california or new york oh god i was talking to a journalist uh a northeastern coast journalist i won't name names or anything but this person really doesn't have a particularly good grip on was this Texas. jerry no it wasn't jerry <laughs> it, <laughs> i don't i don't have phone conversations with jerry um but this person was really so mystified by texas and just didn't seem to even believe that good art could be made in texas <laughs> And I was just like, this is the future. I mean, and what's stop, happening? And stop being so provincial, person. Yeah, stop being provincial. And my God, I mean, the strongest art that's being made right now, I think, has something to do with borders and mm. identity mm. In, uh, in the border states. 
Well, it's because, I mean, we're getting far afield now, but I think yeah, that the whole, the whole notion of geographic identity as this arbitrary line drawn around a certain landmass, and that's your place, that uh, we're in a we're heading rapidly into a phase of human existence where those lines aren't going to be very meaningful anymore. Yeah, it's true. And, and you know, and I would like to think that in some ways maybe this newer environment is pulling people into art school or into various art scenes who would not have joined that before because it is addressing things that are near and dear to them specifically. And they're like, you know what? I've got some art to make about this. Mm. Uh, and they may not have tried it 10 or 20 years ago. Um, so I, I'm, I'm happy for that. Uh, in contrast to the idea that there are too many MFAs and not, and not enough ideas and not enough good artists. Which is true. But, but you know, but back to the original thing, you know, this idea that people are going to, put to question artists and curators and galleries and museums and philanthropists and collectors about, you know, finance capital that gentrifies a neighborhood. And it's like, okay, th this list of people that are, you know, entities that you've put out there as possibly being complicit, leave the artists out of it. Yeah. The artists are the poor ones. The artists are the struggling ones. And the artists are the ones who are often exploited by all of these other entities. Absolutely. Artists are so, the ones who are asked to do stuff for free for exposure. Artists, when someone tells you to do something for the exposure, tell them to go stick it. Have we been bitching too much today? I don't know. We need to bitch a little bit. It's, you know, it's, uh, what day of the week is it? Thursday? It's <laughs> it, Thursday bitch day. <laughs> oh, I mean throwback Thursday. Oh, I mean Thursday get bitch off, day. Get off my lawn, kids. <laughs> oh, so, dear. Oh, dear. we'll leave you with those thoughts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As my dog barks in the background. So what are you doing this weekend? Uh, I'm going out to Marfa for Cinemarfa, mm. which I have not done before. So what are you doing? I'm, I'm actually excited. Uh, Saturday, I'm going to go to Civic TV Laboratory here in Houston and see Henry Sanchez's closing party for his, uh, his event. And then there's an uh, event at Project Row Houses on Sunday. And then there's a book launch for a friend of mine who wrote a book. So it's, it's kind of a busy weekend, actually. Oh, yeah. That's good. Next week, Brandon, Zach, and I will be in Los Angeles. And we will bring you a top five from L.A. Are you going to call it Los Angeles? Los Angeles. Like, uh, like uh, Angelica Houston does in The Grifters. Is that what she... Is that how she pronounces she it in pronou The Grifters? Yeah. Los Angeles. I haven't seen that movie in years. That was a good movie. Don't don't beat anybody up with a bag of oranges. Okay. Okay. Right. Uh, and the rest of y'all, go see some art. Go see some art. Please.